You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. I could be moving from my office to being one of those absolute degenerates that smells like moldy cheese and death. And national recruiting analyst, Adam Gorney. Grover isn't around as much, but uh, Oscar the Grouch is still around a lot. Elmo has taken a prominent role. I mean, he's like the main character. That's right. Welcome to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry, and I'm joined by the stars of the show, Mike Farrell and Adam Gorney. We've got some things to talk about, boys. We've got college football season upon us. Uh, first, though, let's start with our 2020 rankings. We released the, the new Rivals 100 today. Uh, we have four new five stars. So, Mike, I'll let you start there, and, and you can break down the big news from uh, today's release. Yeah, uh, and we'll go quickly through this because uh, what I've come to learn is that people don't care about the 2020 class when the 2019 class is still alive. But we did have four new five stars. Uh, the biggest thing was the debate at the top whether DJ Wagalele would stay at number one. I was sort of of the mindset that it was either going to be Zachary Evans, the running back from Texas, or Justin Flo, the linebacker from California. But the rest of the group decided that Wagalele was the guy. Um, so I'll let Gorney talk a little bit about Wagalele and why he stayed number one. Why are you hating on Wagalele so much? I'm not hating on him. I just think, uh, I, I don't know, I, I, I like him. I think he's got all the tools. He's huge, obviously. Um, he's got he throws a nice long ball. He's got arm strength, all that stuff. I just fell in love with Zachary Evans. Flo was not a guy that I wanted to be number one because I don't think linebacker. We've had one linebacker be number one in our history, I believe, and that was Ernie Sims, who did a good job. You know, obviously had an okay career at Florida State, was a first rounder, and had a ten year NFL career. It's certainly not a guy that busted out, but. Linebacker is not a position where we usually have a number one. Um, Zachary Evans is a guy I fell in love with, just the Adrian Peterson comparisons. And again, you got to temper that. At the same stage, he's not as big as Adrian Peterson. He's not quite as dynamic as Adrian Peterson. Uh, I hated it when Leonard Fournette was compared to Adrian Peterson by a lot of the so-called experts from other sites. Because um, that bugged me. Their running styles were not different. When I talk about the comparison... Adrian Peterson, part of it's because he's from Texas, part of it's because of his running style, um, because he has a very similar running style to Peterson, but I fell in love with Evans, so I was going to push him up to number one, but again, a quarterback is the premier position in, in any level of college, college, high school, pro football, so I can understand why Wagalele is number one. Yeah, and the Evans argument is definitely there. That kid looked so good at our five-star challenge this summer. I thought he and Trey Sanders were neck and neck as to who was the best running back. And to think Evans was a year younger in a, in a different class than Sanders uh, really impressed me. When you, when you saw him walk into the room, he looked phenomenal. When you saw him on the field, he was phenomenal. So that can definitely happen as this continues. Um, Wagalele will be pushed. I think this class at the top is very, very good. Um, but Wagalele is a special kid, too. He's 6'5", 240. Um, I think he's trimmed down to about 225 now, but he still looks huge. He's got such a huge arm. And the, and the thing that he's done in the last two years that's really impressed me is he started to put touch on passes. When he, when he started coming up, he would just fire the ball all over the field, and it would bounce off players' hands because they weren't used to that kind of pace on the ball. But now he's kind of put touch on the ball. And the thing that really was impressive last year when he took over the starting job 
is that it wasn't too big for him. He felt no, he feels no pressure on the football field. He just goes out there and performs. So, um, very, very talented kid, also a baseball prospect. So that will play into it as this goes on. Um, and I love Justin Flo, you know, an absolute hitter just goes out there and crushes people every time he's on the field. I think that will transition to college and beyond, um, because he's such a physical kid is, and he'll develop. Um, but, but, one through ten here is a pretty solid list of guys and positions, you know, premium positions, defensive end, uh, defensive tackle is right at 11, and then, uh, you know, quarterback at number one. So I think that the top of this group is very, very good. Yeah, and I think I wrote about it today, or maybe I did, or maybe they took it out of my article. Um, I think they took it out. They're censoring you uh, like Google censors Trump. They are censoring me like it's bad. It's bad. Um, no, so I had mentioned that we actually, there was a discussion on the call that Justin Flo was too aggressive, and I'm not going to name the name of the person who started that ridiculous conversation. And there were actually another person, I believe another person backed that up. Um, oh you know, but I mean, too aggressive as a, as a, as a, as a, as a linebacker is like, I just don't even understand where that comes from. So, you know, it's yeah. one of those things where I've never had that discussion about a linebacker that shows you how special he is, how aggressive he is, how he wants to tackle. He's one of those guys, I say, he's going to tackle all 11 guys on offense to find out where the football is. <laughs> yeah. he, he still needs to work on his instincts a little bit and all that stuff. But he will hit you. He will hit you in camp settings when he's not supposed to because he just doesn't know how to stop. Uh, and in a football field, you said he already got suspended, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think he was out. I, I think he's out for this weekend's game, and that's something that he does need to work on because you saw it in Atlanta, Mike. He he kind of just gets that a little bit of rage in him and wants to just whack people around, and so he's got to learn how to do that in today's game, I guess. Yeah, the aggression part was actually kind of funny, but they took that part out of my article. I thought that was uh, a little bit behind the curtain type of stuff there. Yeah, that that would have been good. But to say That's someone's to too aggressive, uh, you know, I don't know. So the new five stars, um, obviously Elias Ricks checks in at the top ten. The rest of the guys are outside of the top ten. But Elias Ricks, cornerback from California, is number six. Miles Murphy, defensive end from Georgia, is number 12. Haley Ringo, a safety slash athlete from uh, Arizona, is number 13. And then Justin Rogers, the offensive lineman. From Michigan is number 15 so we got four new five stars two of them from your region so I'll let you break down Ricks and Ringo yeah Ricks is incredible has incredible length his arms are freakishly long you saw him at the five-star challenge uh, early on we thought he might move to safety uh, just because of his size uh, but I think he can stay at corner um, he's physical I think he got into some tussles at the five-star challenge because he's kind of aggravating you know he He'll get his arms on you. He won't let you go through his route. He's kind of touchy-feely. He's aggressive at the end of it. He talks a lot. He gets in your face. And, uh, you know, people people get aggravated by that pretty quickly. So um, in the in this, in this what was Modern Day's second game this past weekend, he picked a pass off and ran it back about 95 yards for a touchdown. But it was called back because of a stupid block in the back penalty. Um, so that would have been a highlight reel right there. But... Uh, very, very talented cornerback. And then Keely Ringo is a guy um, who's really emerged this spring, won the fastest on the field, basically a 40-yard dash competition in Atlanta, which was a big statement. 
um, a native of Washington. So I think Washington is a big time player in his recruitment. And, you know, Chris Peterson develops really defensive backs who were really projects going to Washington, Kevin King and some other guys, Sidney Jones that have come out of there. So if he could get a guy of Keely Ringo's caliber, um, this is this is a really skilled football player. I think projects is a safety long term, um, but both are very, very talented defensive backs. Yeah, Miles Murphy's really raw, but put together. Could end up growing into a defensive tackle. He's got a huge frame or just a big defensive end. Uh, he was a guy that I wasn't sold on being a five-star, but outvoted as always because you guys just hate me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I had him on the cusp of five-stars, but uh, certainly not against it because the ceiling's so high. He's one of those guys where we're ranking him as a five-star right now based on where we think he's going to be in two or three years. And that's how it is with all these guys, but... I think with him, more more of a projection that he's going to put it together and technically uh, work on some things, get a few more passing moves, and rely less on just pure physical power. But he's a great-looking kid and uh, has tremendous upside. And then Justin Rogers plays tackle in high school, plays tackle at every event he goes to, has a guard body. But I still think he could play tackle. I think he could be a right tackle for somebody uh, down the line. Um, if he doesn't, he can move inside, and he could even be a center. So... One of those guys is about 6'3 half, 310 pounds, very aggressive, moves very well. Um, this is our second numerical release, so there weren't too many huge things to write about when it comes to you know big leaps. Bryson Eason, a linebacker from Tennessee, made a big jump, 62 spots, and was uh, actually discussed as a potential five-star. Uh, the quarterbacks disappoint me, though. Other than Wagalele, you know, the next guy in line is Harrison Bailey. Then you got two guys we dropped, um, you know, and Bryce Young and, and Drew Pine. And I'm just – I was very excited about this quarterback class because I didn't think there was a five-star in the 2019 class. Then we we made Spencer Rattler and Bo Nix five-stars, and rightly so, I believe, um, in the 2019 class. And now I don't see a second five-star unless Harrison Bailey puts it together. A little bit slow in some of the stuff he does as far as – his release and things like that. Unless he puts it together, I do not see anybody jumping up to five stars in this classic quarterback. Yeah, and like you said, we were very excited about this quarterback class, and we thought it was going to be very good. And um, you know, I think Malik Hornsby is a guy to, to keep your eye on a little bit. And uh, but but yeah, for two years in a row, and and we should go back through the lists when we have all of our free time, and uh, and look to see if there. are are two classes where you could legitimately say that there was a, maybe only one five-star, maybe you know two classes of disappointing quarterbacks. I remember after that Jeff Driscoll, Teddy Bridgewater year, I believe it was a very good year, um, and that was kind of the last weak class. And if you're going to con- consider 2019 kind of a weaker class at quarterback, to have 20 where there's only one five-star quarterback. Uh, the top dual-threat quarterback is only a 5'9", so he's two spots away from being a five-star, and I don't think He's going to get to that level. Um, so well, he's also five foot nine. Well, <laughs> he's a five nine, but he's also five foot nine. Against Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman, one of the best programs in the in the country, accounted for five touchdowns. So, um, you know, there is, and we could talk about him. And, and Tate Martell was also good and can't find a starting job at, at Ohio State and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, I, I don't think this class is as as bad as the 2019 class and the 2019 class isn't terrible at quarterback. Um, but, but yeah, I think there were a lot of, you know, projections for this class to be very good at quarterback. And as it kind of 
as it kind of moved through into this second ranking cycle, we weren't as thrilled with these guys. Speaking of quarterbacks, a couple of guys I forced upon you guys. Kellen Mond wins the job at Texas A&M, for now anyway, so we'll so, see if he has any accuracy. Uh, so Jimbo issues. can yell at him all year? Yeah, but that's fine. I think he'll respond well to that, honestly. I, I think he needs that because he needs someone to wake him up and um, he needs to work on his accuracy. And he can make a great throw. He can make a great play running the ball, and then yeah. he'll just miss a wide-open wide receiver. It's really uh, – he's a work in progress, but he won the job. So, uh, And then how about Adrian Martinez, the guy that I pushed hard for last year after seeing him at Under Armour? Pushed him up there into the 50 range, I believe, taking Tristan Gebbia and saying, get out of here. Go. I also remember I was the one who made him a four-star, and I got a little pushback uh, from someone else on this call early in the in the rankings process. But we're both right on Martinez. I'll give you some credit. Gebbia transfers after losing the job, and it's understandable. He's not going to you know overtake Martinez now, so he's got to go find a new home. He's a talented kid, but... Very good call on Adrian Martinez. He could put up some big numbers within that Scott Frost offense. Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of quarterback news out there in college football. And like I said, we're not going to spend too much time on this 2020 class. It was just released as we're taping this podcast. So this will come out probably an hour or two hours after the release. But if you want to check it out, it's on the front page of Rivals.com. Uh, um, again, not a ton of big moves here, but uh, we do have four new five stars. And, uh, you know, this is an interesting class. You and I are going to have an article coming out, I think, tomorrow, um, arguing which class is better, 2019 for 2020. And I, I read your take that you would take the top 11 guys on offense, top 11 guys on defense, and put together a team, and, and your team would win. And I looked at it more as a class uh, as a whole, Um and the depth at certain positions. So it's an interesting argument as to which class is better. I'm sold that 2019 is better. But again, this is our second numerical evaluation. I saw one of our competitors already put out a top 100 for 2021. I have no idea how on earth they did that. It's got to be just darts at a dartboard. Because putting together this ranking, which was our second numerical for 2020, was really difficult. Um, they just don't have a lot. I mean, these kids are just starting to play their junior season. So you're basing a lot of this on on freshman and sophomore films. Some of these kids didn't even play uh, varsity at the at their freshman level. So sometimes you're going based on one years of film and on and on and on. So I think it's a little ridiculous how quickly things are coming out. And I, I hope my company never forces me to put out like a, a, a essentially a freshman top 100 because I, I just don't think we can do it yeah and, and the tough part about this is once you make that first list it's hard to make dramatic changes off of that list just because it makes that first look list look so foolish so you know taking your time a little bit more I think and kind of getting a feel and an understanding of who's good and who's bad it's still in, in the 2019 class I'm still moving guys around after I see them and thinking this guy's too high and this guy's too low it's by the time the All-Star Games roll around, that's when I'm pretty comfortable about where the lists are heading into signing day, and that's still six months away or whatever it is. So, yeah, to uh, to have lists that early is tough. To, to put the 2020 class together, in the West, it's a little bit easier because they play so much 7-on-7, seven seven and people can rip, rip about that. But I, 
rarely see players who are good at seven on seven or camps not be good on Friday nights. Uh, you know, it's it, you know if you're talented, if you're fast, you're going to be fast with pads on or off, and it's just the same thing. Um, you know, they play so many events out here. It, it the the season started, and it, and I was talking to some coaches, and there there was seven on seven going on like nine days before fall camp started and they were like this is just ridiculous so the seven on seven and camp season out here is longer it goes from before signing day the week before signing day it started this year to nine days before fall camp there is an event every single weekend so that season is longer than the actual football season which is really depressing yeah and i think the reason people aren't as interested um in the 2020 classes because, you know, some of these kids are committed. You know, Bryce Young is committed to USC. Nobody believes these kids are going to stay committed to where they are. Yeah. Uh, or if they do commit or they name a leader at this stage, nobody believes they're going to stick with that. Um, so I think the 2019 class obviously gets a lot more attention simply because, well, those guys, a lot of them are locked in. A lot of those guys are going to sign in, what, three months yeah. You know, when we get to December and they can embrace them more as, you know, members of their football team. Like when you look at Bo Nix, Auburn Nation was watching Bo Nix and George Pickens on, on I think it was Friday or Saturday, I can't remember which, uh, this past weekend. And those guys, I mean, Pickens is going to take visits and all that, but those guys are Auburn football players in their mind. And uh, when you look at this list, you just can't really grab somebody how many Derwin Jameses are there where they commit during their sophomore year and they never take another visit, they never waver, they never talk about a different school, on and on it goes. So uh, I think that's why you see you know, the 2020 class. It's necessary to rank it for sure. I'm not against it. But um, 2019 is where everybody's focus is at right now. And there's only so much bandwidth for these people that follow recruiting pretty closely. I mean, we do it for a living and we're trying to figure out the top 100 or the top 250 in 2020. And, you know, a guy sitting in his office, does he really care about who the 52nd best player in the country is in the junior class? I'm not so sure. So, yeah, it's important to rank them and get ahead of the game and, and get something on paper and all those kinds of things. But, you know, there's only so much focus that these people can do. I'll tell you what, though, if you are interested in it, and, and you know, there are recruitniks out there that are, you know, already – the, the 2019 class is what, 75% done? Yeah. When it comes to commitments, maybe even more than that. Um, and, and by December, uh, I expect last year it was like 72% of the kids signed in December. I expect that to be close to 80% this year. After December 2019, then it's over. Then it's over. Um, yep. You know, so we'll have another ranking up coming out in December as well. Uh, but this is. This is a good way to acclimate yourself to who your top targets are and, and you know, who's going to get Zachary Evans. We don't know. Who's going to get Wagalele? We don't know yet. Who's going to get Flo? So a lot of these guys are, you know, free agents, so to speak. But, um, you know, there's a couple committed kids in here as well. Uh, Miles Hinton is going to Michigan. So Michigan fans will definitely want to check him out. And, you know, on and on it goes. So uh, an interesting one. I don't know which was harder, 2019 or 2020 to rank. To me, it was 2020 was harder. Yeah, I think 2020 was harder because there wasn't as strong of opinions. It was easier to get the list together, but it was harder in the sense that of accuracy because there weren't 
as strong of opinions on guys. We hadn't, you know, a lot of these guys hadn't seen a lot of them. Um, and so it's just tougher because the the book on each kid is, isn't as big as, as the 2019 class. So I think there were more debates in the 2019 class just because there were more opinions on, on all the guys who had seen everybody a little bit more. Um, but 2020 is difficult in its own right because uh, a lot of these guys, if it wasn't for the five-star challenge, I would have never seen Zachary Evans and would have never known if he was legit or just a hype machine, you know, all, all those kinds of things. You probably would have never seen Elias Ricks and, um, you know, Keely Ringo. If I'm pushing a kid up from Arizona to be a five-star, um, you know, it, it could be, it could have been a little tricky. Uh, I would have never seen Leonard Manuel at the Adidas National Championship. So, uh, you know, it's just tough for Antoine Sampa was a kid who walked in the room and Friedman was blowing up and then Flo walked in the room and then he shut up about Sampa a little bit. So uh, it, it's just that kind of thing where it, 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 without one or two events over the summer to see some of these kids for the first time ever, uh, the opinions weren't as formed as, as strongly. All right, let's get off the rankings for now. Um, let's move to, you know, I thought about going conference by conference and making our predictions, but I guarantee you they're going to be the same. So let's do it real quick. SEC, who do you got in the West? Uh, Alabama. Uh, who do you got in the East? Georgia. Okay, so there, that's the same. Uh, ACC, who you got? Coastal. Coastal ACC, uh, Clemson. Who you got? Atlantic. Miami. <laughs> right. Who you got in the Big Twelve? Oklahoma. Okay. Who you got in the Big Ten East? Ohio State. Yeah. Who you got the Big Ten West? I think Wisconsin. Okay, there we go. There's another shocker. Uh, Pac-12 North? Pac-12 North will be Washington. And Pac-12 South? USC. Well, there you go. So that segment's done. That was fun. I'm putting together these conference-by-conference conference bold predictions, and we're calling them bold predictions just because, you know, when you say bold, people might read it more. Uh, if you put it in bold and say it's bold, then it's really then it's good. it's really, really good. Yeah. But it's just hard. So, you know, for the Big Ten, for example, you know, I predicted the Big Ten West champion to, to be Wisconsin, the Big Ten East champion to be Ohio State, the Big Ten champion to be Ohio State. Then I had to pick some interesting stuff. Coach of the year, who's going to be, who's on the hot seat, who's the biggest surprise in the division going to be, I mean, in the conference going to be, who's the biggest disappointment. I picked Michigan. People didn't like that at all. Uh, who's going to be as expected? Of course, Rutgers. I think I'm going to I'm going to rename that the Rutgers Award um, <laughs> because as expected, Rutgers is going to have a losing season. Uh, who's a year away from competing for a national championship or a conference championship? Who's building the best for the future when it comes to recruiting and all that stuff? And then the offensive MVP, defensive MVP, NFL draft prospect, true freshman of the year, and breakout player. So there's some interesting stuff in here that took some time to put together. And took a lot of research, but when I was looking at the, you know, the, the predictions, they all looked very easy. Now, last year I was stupid enough to pick Florida State over Clemson, um, but I've learned my lesson there. I'm not going to do that. But we all know somebody other than these teams we just mentioned is going to win one of these divisions. We all know that's going to happen. Right. I, I mean, see. last year you, you would have picked two, Alabama in the West and Auburn won. So... 
you know, but the predictions, you can't go against some of these predictions. I mean, like, who, who, who else are you going to pick in the, in the Pac-12 South? Well, in the Pac-12 South, let me get down there. I can see Utah making a little bit of a run. Yeah, but they never win anything. Yeah, I mean, they, they never finish. Yeah, I know. I, I just don't see who else. I don't think UCLA is there yet, even though Chip Kelly will get them to be pretty competitive. Arizona could be a wild card with Khalil Tate and a pretty good offense and a decent defense, but I'm not taking Arizona to win the South Division. Um, Arizona State, who knows what we're going to get, and Colorado's not going to be very good. So uh, that's one of the weaker divisions. I think the Big Ten East is interesting. I think Penn State could maybe make a run. Michigan State could make a run. And then Michigan, all depending on, you know, the defense is going to keep them in games. Uh, we don't know what Dwayne Haskins is going to be like long-term with Ohio State. Uh, if they put Tate Martell in the game, then there's trouble for everybody. But that's not going to happen, I guess. So, you know, Michigan's defense can keep them in games. Michigan State is always solid. And Penn State, if they can replace Saquon Barkley and keep the ball moving, they should be pretty solid. So I think that's one of the more interesting ones. The Big 12, I just don't see anybody. Maybe West Virginia makes a run, but they always seem to fizzle out at some point. But that offense is going to be really, really good. And then, of course, the annual Feral 50 comes out with the top 50 players in college football, which is always fun to do, but always impossible. Yeah. You know, there's just no way to get it right, and you're always leaving guys out. That's why I do a midseason one and a, fin- and, a, and a postseason one. But the number one player in the country, guess who I picked? Because it hasn't come out yet, so I'll see if you can pick it. Number one player in the country is Bryce Love. Nope, he's number three. You're so. I'm going to give you a hint. He's a defensive lineman. His name is Christian Wilkins. His name is Nick Boza. Nick Boza. Wilson, Wilkins is four. Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin, was five. Who's two? Bryce Love, I went with three. Ed Oliver, baby. All right, Ed Oliver. What? Are, so you Ed don't have. Oliver. Where's Dexter Lawrence? I think he's like seven. Where's like Cleland Farrell, the uh, the most underrated one? He's up there like in the six to ten range. Yeah. Hold on, I'll tell you right now. A.J. Brown is number ten from Ole Miss. Jared Stidham is number nine from Auburn, which is a little bit high, I think. But I have a feeling he's going to take the next step. Rashawn Gary is number eight in Michigan. Dexter Lawrence, number seven. And your boy Khalil Tate at number six. So that means Cleland Farrell is in the 10 to 15 yeah, he, or he, 11 to 15 range. He's 11, yeah. Cleland Farrell's 11. Yeah. That's not bad. I mean, Devin White, 12. Jaquan Johnson is a little bit high at 13, perhaps to some people, but I think he's going to be awesome. Trace McSorley, a little bit low for some people at 14, but we'll see. And then Will Greer at 15. You know, a lot of people. Disagree with that one and think that Will Greer should be a top five player in the country. And he might put up top five stats. I don't like him as a pro. I do not like him as a potential pro quarterback. I don't like his arm strength. I think he hangs the ball way too much. I think he's a product of the system itself. Now, again, he could end up in that top five range for quarterbacks because it's not a great quarterback year like we saw last year. But uh, I don't know. Oh, wait, what's this about Debo Samuel? Is he going to play? I got my fantasy. Oh, he only has one class this semester. Yeah. Oh, and he deactivated his Twitter and Facebook accounts. Okay. All right. Hasn't been held back. Hasn't tried to hold him. 100%. Good. Because I got my fantasy football team. You ready for it? 
Your your college fantasy football team? Yeah. Okay. That's what we're doing college fantasy football. We draft tomorrow. Nobody sent me an email about that. Yeah, Trey sent it. No, he didn't. I don't think I'm included. Yeah, I didn't get that either. Uh, I'm hurt. I'll. Uh, I, I. It was a reminder from Yahoo. I got nothing. Did he send it to the the corporate one? I don't know. I'd have to look. As I don't read corporate emails. You're you're such a bad boy, Mike. I am. <laughs> <laughs> outlaw. Damian Ryan has Finley, 22. Ryan Finley, a quarterback. Uh, who's not a great pick, but I've waited on quarterback. They got Debo Samuel and Tyler Vaughns, your boy Tyler Vaughns, at wide receiver. Okay. Uh, again, I waited at wide receiver. I went heavy on running back. A.J. Dillon, the beast. Uh, and then Cam Akers is my number two running back. And my swing man is Damian Harris. So I am loaded at running back. Um, the problem being... I think AJ Dillon could be done by the third quarter against UMass. That's fine. Uh, but but Cam Akers is playing Virginia Tech, so the, he's going to be needed. He's going to get those carries, and Damian Harris playing Louisville, so you know he's going to get the carries. The problem with both of those guys is Jacquez Patrick and Najee Harris could cut into their carries. So yeah, this wasn't easy. I took Colby Parkinson at tight end. I waited very very late at tight end. He's being started in two percent of fantasy leagues. Okay. Um, which so. <laughs> I don't know why I picked him. Um, and my bench is uh, who's your growth defense? plates. Who's your defense? I got, gro- I got growth plates on my bench. Colin Johnson. <laughs> He's on your bench. Wow, that's pretty good. I know. I know. But w- what should I do? I mean, Debo Samuel, Tyler Vons, or should I throw Colin Johnson in there? I mean, Debo Samuel playing Coastal Carolina. Yeah. And Vons is playing UNLV. Um where Colin Johnson's playing at Maryland. Not that Maryland's any good, but that's no. a better opponent. So this is what's tricky about all this stuff. And then, of course, like a fool, I took Tyron Johnson at Oklahoma State thinking he's going to have a breakout year. So we'll have to see if that happens. But uh, just because he was a former five-star. Who's your but, defense? Oh, I got Georgia, baby. Oh, okay, you're good. Playing Austin P. Yeah, Austin P is not going to do nothing against Georgia. They're going to pee... All over Austin <laughs> P. And then I got Quinn Norton, the sleepover kid, as my kicker. He's a good kicker. Okay. So yeah, that's a I good won't kicker. win. I won't win. I don't keep up with it. I'm not going to keep up with this. I keep up with college football because it's my job. And then I got to go and do my job extra. You're going to keep like, up with it. No. I probably won't. I'm going to maybe come up with somebody and hire them to run and manage my team. That wouldn't be I'll a hire bad a coach. idea. Yeah. I know. Someone who could has the time to dig into the stats and all the other stuff while I'm writing 25 articles a day or something like that. So, do you want me to run your uh, team, or, or do you think that that would be a bad idea? Well, you got your own team to run if we're drafting tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. So you're in two I, I'm college not, fantasy football leagues? Well, this one was Jason Howell. You remember Jason Howell? I do remember Jason Howell, good buddy of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he roped me into this league with a bunch of guys that I don't really like. I like Josh McQuiston. He's in the league. He's a good guy. Why didn't he rope me into the league? He didn't invite you. He doesn't respect you, man. I know. You, I, you weren't his boss. I need to. Well, you sometimes you were his boss, but then when you had to tell him to do something, you said you, you weren't his boss. Um, that's how it is still. <laughs> Nobody listens to me. I'm nobody's <laughs> boss. 
So, I don't know. We're getting off track yeah, here. Yeah, th- so. I think we're done. Heisman. Oh, Heisman. Heisman. Okay. Who's your Heisman guy? Hold on. Let me pull up the list to make sure I'm not missing anybody. The real question is, will Ed Oliver be invited to New York? No. No. Will any defensive players be invited to New York? No. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. My Heisman guy is not Bryce Love because at Pac-12 Media Days, David Shaw said they're going to not worry about his stats this year, which is which I don't like because McCaffrey, his sophomore year, went off junior year, kind of dialed it back a little bit. So that's what I think they're going to do with Bryce Love. My Heisman guy, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, that's not bad, but running backs never win it. I mean, I know Derrick Henry did, and I know Mark Ingram did. and Yeah, I think there's um, been three since 2000. So that's yeah, a, not a lot. Yeah. You know it's going to be some quarterback. Yeah. The problem is, who's the quarterback? I mean, first of all, you got to be on a winning football team and a team that's competing for the national championship. I'm going to go with Will Greer. I think he falls perfectly into that category, like a Danny Werfel, of someone who's going to put up big numbers, someone whose team is going to be in the hunt, because I think West Virginia is going to finish potentially second in the Big 12. Um, so they'll be in the hunt, um, and he'll put up monster numbers and end up winning it. But it would probably be someone like Khalil Tate. He'll probably rush for like 1,500 yards and throw for like another 2,000 and put up Lamar Jackson type of numbers because, I mean, if they if they try to reel that kid in, that'd be the stupidest thing anyone could ever do, and I don't think someone's that stupid. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to let him run around like he did last year. I mean, Rich Rod just gave him free reign to do whatever he wanted. I don't know if they're going to be that freelance with him. It'll be interesting you to see. He, they, they, you have to be with Khalil Tate, though, because that's just how he plays the game. He did in high school. That's how he played in high school. He would run around like a nut and make people miss, and you were like, can he do this in college? And, he, and he's been able to. But if you make him sit in the pocket and try to throw the ball, it's just not his game. So who's winning, Washington or Auburn? Uh, Auburn. Yep. Now, remember, it's not a home game. It is a home game in the sense that it's like 45 minutes from their home. Yeah, it's still not technically. It's not a home game. So that should be a good one. That 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 intrigues me. Obviously, Michigan-Notre Dame intrigues me. There's a few others that are intriguing. LSU-Miami uh, is the one I kind of really am intrigued by for some weird reason. Yeah, that's also not a home game for, for LSU. It's in Arlington. Uh, I think Miami's going to beat him. I do too. I, I, I definitely think Miami's going to beat him. I think this talk of Malik Rozier being so bad is a little overrated. Uh, there's a lot of hope for LSU always early in the season. Wisconsin blasted him. Was that last year or two years ago? And I think Miami's defense is really, really good. Um, do you think West Virginia blows out Tennessee or just beats them comfortably? Uh, no, I think they should blow them out. Yeah. I think and I think they're looking to run up the score against anybody they can possibly run up the score against. I agree. The Big 12 needs to do that to make sure whoever wins it gets in the playoffs. So. And then I think Virginia Tech beats Florida State at Florida State, so that'll be an interesting game as well. Wow, so, that's a that's a, that's a a call. That's not that bold. It's bold. One, one team's ranked 20, while well, the other one's ranked 19. I mean, they're... Although Florida State is a seven and a half point favorite, and once they legalize gambling in Connecticut, stand back because I would jump all over that line. <laughs> I would take the Hokies. I would bet my house. 
the mortgage, my dog, everything on it because I think that's going to be a close game, a tough-fought game. Did you see Rice beat Prairie View by only three points? Did I see? Did I see what? Rice beat Prairie View by only three. Yeah, points. and they were uh, down at halftime. I saw that ESPN had Rice, I think, one twenty-seven in their power index, which is hardly a compliment. And then they moved them down after a win to the worst team in Division One. Yeah, they're the worst. Team. They're one and zero, and they're the worst team in the FBS. <laughs> yeah. which is hilarious to me. I don't know why that's funny to me, but. Um, Kelly Bryant over Trevor Lawrence. Surprised? Not surprised. It was the right thing to do, but I think the first time Kelly Bryant struggles or things get tight or there's a little bit of of an issue, uh, Trevor Lawrence gets in the game, and if he starts performing well, then there's no looking back. I don't think we're going to learn anything from Furman. I think we learn much more next the, the following week when Clemson visits Texas A&M. And I'm going to give you a sleeper uh, Heisman candidate here. Trevor Lawrence. This is for all the Oklahoma Oklahoma fans that love me so much. But Rodney Anderson, I think, is going to have just a monster year. Yeah, yeah, I think he will too. Um, And uh, someone who could be in New York could be A.J. Dillon. You remember, um, what was his name? The running back they had a few years ago. I should know this. uh, He went to the Giants. Um, yeah, Andre Williams, Andre, Andre 2000. Yeah, rushed for over 2,000 yards under Adazio and got into the Heisman finalists and was in New York and all this good stuff. I think Dylan, who had like 1,500 yards last year, didn't even start the season as a starter. If he stays healthy, he's going to put up just absolutely monster numbers. Um, yeah. Another one who's going to put up big numbers is Drew Locke, but I, I, Missouri is going to compete. I think they have a chance to finish second in the East, but... I just don't know. He's going to have to put up crazy numbers. I just think West Virginia is going to be more nationally relevant, and that's why I'm going with Greer. But um, I don't know. Arizona upsets a few people. Khalil Tate could be an interesting one. And then Justin Herbert, you know, he didn't put up great numbers last year, but he was he's hurt. another guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, and Trace McSorley, everybody thinks he's going to win it. But I, I know Miles Sanders is a good football player, but they're going to have to replace Juan Barkley, and that's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, not sure if he's going to be able to put up the same numbers. and uh, So looking at the top of this list, the Ed Oliver third. I mean, they, they had Ed Oliver, though. ESPN's in love with Ed Oliver. Yes. Just in love with him for some reason. Maybe it's because he was in their, their Under Armour game or something like that. But um, whoever does this ESPN experts poll, they had Ed Oliver getting votes even, I think, more than Minka Fitzpatrick last year on defense for some reason than – there's just no way a defensive tackle is ever going to be a candidate for that. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's unfortunate so. because the Heisman is really just a, just a running back quarterback award right now. It's it's not really the best player in college football. It hasn't been for a long time. Maybe it's never been. Um, but if you're talking about who the best players in college football are, it's maybe like six defensive linemen at the top of the list. Clemson's four, Rashawn yeah. Gary, no, and Ed it's, Oliver. It's, it's absolutely nuts. It's insane. Yeah. Um, the draft is going to be fun to follow because it's going to be just so many great defensive linemen are going to go in the top ten. And obviously, you know, you assume a quarterback's going to go number one, but you're not really sure if that's going to happen this year. Although we weren't sure that was going to happen a couple of years ago, and that's just the way it works all the time. But defensive line, if you need a defensive lineman in the NFL, oh my gosh. This, 
2019 draft is the one you're looking at because I just can't remember a year that had more talent along the defensive line uh, when it comes to NFL prospects. So, um, and I think the the last question: Who's on the hottest seat? And, and not Beatty or somebody like that. I think Orgeron. Orgeron could be up there. It'll be interesting to see the reaction because they have a tough opening opening couple games. Um, I believe. Let me look at the list. They obviously open. Well, I Miami. think they're predicted to finish fourth in their own division. Well, um, when's the last time LSU finished fourth? I know. I know. Well, they go to Auburn in week two uh, before the end of October. They have Miami, Auburn, Ole Miss isn't a gimme. Uh, at Florida, Georgia, and Mississippi State, which I think is going to be a very good football team, and then they and then they have their bye week before Alabama. So this could be ugly heading into the last stretch of November for Orgeron. I think he's on a very hot seat. Um, I think the hottest seat is probably Lovey Smith, but you said no one at that level. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Orgeron. But I don't think this season is going to go all that great for them. I do. I definitely think Miami wins this weekend. Yeah, and if we, they get off to what? What would we talk about? A potential three and five start, maybe for LSU. Yeah, they'll beat Southeast Louisiana, so they'll be one and one. Lose to Auburn, one and two. Beat Louisiana Tech, two and two, and then they could be two and six, three and five by the bye week heading into Alabama, which is always a huge weekend. And then Alabama will be eight and zero. Oh, Destroy them. Yeah, and, right. and and LSU will be three and five going into that game, or four and four. Yeah. I don't think he gets fired mid-season. I don't even know if he gets fired after the season because, you know, again, you'd be admitting that you made a horrible mistake. But if they have a losing season, let's say they go five and seven at LSU, I mean, I think you got to think about getting rid of them. So um, that's the one I'm looking for. I'm also interested in Larry Fedora at UNC because they were so horrible last year. If they have another horrible season, he could be a guy that's on that uh, on that hot seat too. But you know, there doesn't seem to be, after so many changes last year, there don't seem to be too many guys that are for sure going to be fired. I mean, obviously we know Beatty is probably going to be fired at Kansas and a few others, but Lovey Smith's not going to be fired. I mean, they're going to give him another year, even if they finish uh, last in their division and have another whatever, you just never ten year. You just never know what's going to happen, though, and that's why college football is really so awesome. Uh in the summer, we're like, this is boring. Nothing's going on. The coaching carousel is one of the worst in years. And then oh, Urban Meyer almost gets fired, uh, gets a suspension. DJ Durkin is probably on his way out um, after an offensive Yeah, when are they going to decide on that? I don't know. They're still going through an external review or whatever. Uh, Rutgers well, you know, has... They've got, they got a game coming up. Uh, there are more they important wanna... things than playing and losing to Texas, Mike. I'm just saying. I mean, I thought it would have been decided by now i mean it's obvious he's going to be fired right i i mean i can't imagine that after reading that story where that i'm not even going to say the word strength coach uh was forcing kids to eat and then smashing their food away from them and just being a complete loser um i hope no one ever hires that guy after reading that story uh they, they have to get rid of him i mean there's DJ Durkin isn't a big name. You could replace DJ Durkin with 50 other coaches in college football and have Maryland be a 5-7 and seven football team. Uh, it's not exactly like he was killing it. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, you, you get rid of DJ Durkin. But, you know, Urban Meyer, DJ Durkin. Uh, at Rutgers, there's 
eight players involved in an alleged credit card scam. Wisconsin's top two wide receivers. You just never know what's going to happen. So in terms of hot seat, anything can happen this season. Well, I mean, they're scandal seats more than they're hot seats. Yeah. So we'll have to see. Last year was, was quite a bit of fun, but we'll see. Yeah. But I'm watching out for Ed Orgeron. I'm watching out for... Mike's super team, that's the name that Howell gave me, and I don't know how to change it. So my name in fantasy football is Mike's super team. Uh, <laughs> but there's got to be a I'll way be, to change it. I'm sure there is, but what do, what do I care? Do I care? I, I think I you care. care. No, I don't care. Oh, you don't care. Okay. Um, I'm waiting for that email from Trey, which clearly I never got. And then... Uh, I'm going to be in two fantasy football leagues for that, probably three fantasy football leagues for NFL. Be a complete, absolute loser. Um, <laughs> you said it, Wake not up me. every day, commute across the hall to my office, <laughs> write six or seven articles every day for the next, uh, I don't know, six months. And uh, I don't know. Was it a, What else could you do? Was it a snake draft or an auction draft for... Uh, it was a snake draft. Uh, and it was so annoying because everybody took a minute... Yeah. You don't need to take a minute. I took two seconds for each pick. Yeah, snake drafts are good because the, the next man up, you just kind of take. And you're ready. Yeah. You should be ready. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of time between picks. I picked seventh, right? So I picked seventh. Snake's back around to me. I know who I'm picking. Right. And if somebody happens to pick my guy, I got a backup pick. Right. But but these, 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 these idiots were sitting there for a – and I was calling them out because you know how cranky I am. Yeah. Just sitting there for like a minute, it's, it's it's down to like six seconds, five seconds, four seconds, and I'm like, oh, they must have left the draft. So it's auto-drafting for them, and it's taking the full minute for some reason. Nope. Three seconds left, they pick, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Wow. So hopefully everybody else sucks, and uh, Mike's super team wins. <laughs> I have a helmet with polka dots on it, too. He gave me that. So. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm projected to lose my first matchup to... Um, who am I playing? Trump's Patriots. <laughs> who, so. who does Trump's Patriots have on the team? I don't even know. Let me see if I can figure that out. Tua, uh, Greg Dorch, Jerry Judy, Miles Gaskin, Patrick Laird from Cal, Zach Gentry. This isn't scary. No, that's Stephen Carr. His defense is Michigan at Notre Dame. They're, they're not going to dominate Notre Dame. I'm not scared. But he's projected to have more points than me for some reason. Oh, well. Who wins? I'm going to go like three and whatever. Michigan, Notre Dame, who are you taking? Because the line is switched to now Notre Dame minus one. I like Michigan. Uh, I'm, taking, I'm, taking, I'm taking Notre Dame. Really? No, I like Michigan in that game. Nah, I'm going to take Notre Dame. That's my, that's my prediction. It'll be a good game, though. There's a lot of good games. And, and you know, the good thing is they spread them out. So they're not all at the same time. You get a Sunday game, so and a Monday an game. I think. Yeah, it should be an interesting weekend of college football. So everybody, check out Rivals.com for our 2020 rankings and some of the college football stuff we're going to be doing. Let's wrap this up because apparently I have a managers meeting coming up and I didn't even realize it. So I got to go. Okay, you're a manager. I am technically a manager, even though I'm not in charge of anybody. All right, well, I'll wrap it up. Uh, I'll remind everybody to leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, we had a nice one recently. 
that said, uh, Mike Farrell is literally the angriest person I've heard on a podcast. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Seriously, does he seriously does he ever see the positive in anything? It was it was the from to that is no. It was from Babe yeah. Dairy. <laughs> All right, so but uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Hopefully, more positive than that. Uh, and you can follow follow us on Twitter at Rivals Mike, at Adam Gorney, and at Real Dave Barry. We'll see everybody again next week. Bye.